turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. I'm just tidying up in here. Clark's in a panic. But you know, I come into the studio, it's been used all day, and things are, they're just not in their place, and it's disturbing. It's that you didn't start doing anything until the theme music is at your entry <laughs> point, and you're you're in here tidying up, doing all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, someone will be in the studio after me, and I'd like them to find a better studio than the one I walked in on. Okay, I think I'm just about done. All right, uh, what, what are we doing here? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, that's right, the show. Now, before we start, can I just clarify something? Can I clear something up? It's been disturbing me Please for several do. days, and I've been waiting until Friday to bring it up. Uh-oh. Ladies and gentlemen, primarily ladies, there's a difference between tights, leggings, yoga pants, nylons. Now, hmm. generally, when you're wearing a, you know, a pair of pants that are the yoga pants or they're running, they're thick enough that when you put them on, they clearly cover everything and they don't become transparent. However, if you're wearing tights or nylons as if they were leggings or yoga pants, it's just not good. Wow. You know, I was downtown sitting in front of the, the courthouse. Well, here we go. Here we go. Downtown sitting in front of the courthouse. We're in downtown. I remember when I was a little girl, that was, you know, a long time ago. You used to get dressed up to go downtown. It was a big deal to go downtown. There are offices there. There are nice shops. and You'd get dressed up. That must up to have go been down. a long time ago. It huh? was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Going to um, Meyer and Frank with my grandmother, that was an oh, adventure. yeah. Yeah, you dressed up. Anyway, that aside, so I'm sitting in the car in front of the courthouse waiting for Dan Rice to come out. And several people are walking by, and nylons are designed to be transparent. You see through them so that anything underneath the nylon can be seen. Now, a nylon is designed that you wear it under something long enough to cover the mm, yeah, yeah. unseemly parts. But girls the are, unseemly they're, parts. <laughs> they're wearing the things like they're like they're like a yoga pant where you can't see, you know, where they're opaque. I'm telling it just I want it where are your mothers? Where are they? You know, just having given voice to it, I feel a lot better. You know, and depending on your age, if you, even if you're wearing a legging that's designed to be wear it you know, a little bit, wear a top that's a little bit <clears throat> lower to cover the unseemly parts. That's all I'm saying. And if you're wearing yoga pants, be doing yoga. If you're wearing running pants, run. Don't be walking all around downtown with your unseemly parts all <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> and, you know, the, th- the other thing, one other thing I'll mention. Oh, boy. Yes. Some of us, and I would count myself among them. Okay. Some of us shouldn't be wearing them. I don't care what the circumstance. We shouldn't be wearing them. That's all I'm going to say. I hear you there, though. You know who you are. <laughs> Whew, I, ju- I just feel lighter all of a sudden. I feel better. All right. So what are we doing here? <laughs> oh, that's right. We have a show. We're having a, a dressing lesson today. <laughs> well, I just, I just, I kind of felt bad. Because, you know, you look at yourself when you're coming, 
but everybody else looks at you when you're going. (laughs) (laughs) Some of us just, we need to think it through. That's all I'm saying. Just think it through. Find a trusted friend that will tell you the truth. You need a friend who's going to tell you the truth. And some people imagine that what because were they, what was there's the no age? bulk. There's no bulk to these kinds of, to the yoga pant or the leggings. There's no bulk to it. So you think the bigger you are, if you wear the things without your seemly parts being covered, that somehow you look thinner. You don't. Uh, so how, I'm just saying. What was the age? I saw a whole group? range of people really? walking by. Yeah. It's just a whole range. You know, a little kid, that's one thing. But grown women, you know, the Bible says... The older women are to give counsel to the younger women. And that's what you're doing today? And that's what I'm doing. Out of love and high regard, I just want to let you know. And some of us older women, we need to be a little bit careful, too. (laughs) Just because you wear what the young people are wearing doesn't mean you look like the young people when you're in it. That's all I'm saying. Got it. All right. Well, I feel like... Duly noted. (laughs) Written down. (laughs) Engraved. Tattooed. Mm. All right. Well... I'm just, I feel better. This came to me several days ago, and I thought, no, it's not, uh, not appropriate to bring it up on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Don't talk about it on Thursday, but Friday, I thought right then, it's Monday, but Friday's coming, and I'm going to bring this up. I've done it now, and uh, I just feel like I've, I've discharged responsibility, and I'm now free of whatever you choose to do. That's up to you, but I've now discharged my responsibility. I've spoken the truth in love. And hopefully, somebody listening will be saved. Or maybe, better put, will save us. <laughs> okay. I'm going to get home tonight. My wife's going to say, hey, what did you do at work today? <laughs> I listened to Georgine do a, uh, do a talk today, a TED Talk, <laughs> about uh, the appropriateness leggings, of wearing tights, leggings as tights nylons, or nylons. Yoga pants. As, Absolutely. Uh, as a... Uh, Outdoor decor in downtown. <laughs> One of my friends says, everybody ain't able. And I think that applies here. Everybody ain't able. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying I should be wearing them. I'm just saying that we need to be thoughtful in our approach. Okay. I think we've probably covered that sufficiently to mm, move on. Perhaps. Uh, I actually intended to start with a couple of more serious notes before we launch into the lighter side of the news. But I was so burdened. There was such a heaviness but I had to let it go. You. I had to just release and let it go. And the clouds have now parted. It's sunny. It is sunny. See? How about that? I think I've got a, I got a mandate from on high. Bless you, sister. <laughs> I feel like we need to take offering. Do you have anything? you can? <laughs> I have a plate here. <laughs> yes. Did some... you already eat your cake? Yeah. Oh, man. I thought we were going to do that as a I got as some a more. I got some more. <laughs> That's true. We've been nursing that... Uh, birthday cake from Tuesday and having a slice every day at oh, some point during really the show. it's really good, yeah. It's a, one of those lemon pudding cakes with a mm-hmm. light glaze on it. Mm, I'm yeah. telling you, eat a couple of pieces of those. And you I can hear the angels <laughs> singing now. You won't eat, you won't be wearing leggings for a long time. <laughs> yeah, or you shouldn't be. <laughs> well, that's whole not Don't get we me see started. You going. Because I will preach, you know. I <laughs> Don't get me started on that again. Okay, well, I'll get to the serious uh, things in just a few moments, just a couple of things. Uh, But we do need to take a break. At least that's what Clark is saying. Yeah, we spent all this time talking about cake and nylons that, you know, we got got some business to do. But I think it was this, you know, we broadcast in the public interest. We are required by the FCC to demonstrate that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to demonstrate that we are broadcast, that we're bringing something of use, of value to the community. And I think, I think we could defend that last segment. Okay. 
Get, write it not. down in the report. I just know that our general manager is out today, so I think we're, <laughs> think we're doing okay. Okay. Fifteen minutes after four o'clock, you're listening to the fun Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Eventually, we'll get to the fun part. Eventually. Would you call this fun? Well. Uh, it was a little bit of a, a lecture. It was a little, a little bit, bit of a rebuke. Lecture. It was a rebuke. Yeah, yeah. But it was in love. <laughs> right <of>. on. <laughs> we'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 19 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. A couple of things I wanted to mention before we shift gears to the lighter fare that uh, generally characterizes a Friday program. Congress today did approve a one-week stopgap spending bill to avert a government shutdown this weekend. That gives lawmakers uh, more time to negotiate a broader budget deal. That doesn't mean it's going to be a better budget deal because there's not time to take each one of those spending bills and evaluate what's in the best interests of the country, whether or not the agencies need more or less and all of that. But they've been facing a midnight deadline to pass a new funding bill. They're now going to continue their work on a bigger $1 trillion budget package under a new deadline next Friday. Now, this has been on the table since December, and only now are they focusing their attention there. But they did um, avert a disaster. So Congress has saved itself from itself by giving themselves one more week. Uh, Also, North Korea launched a ballistic missile into the Sea of Japan today. The missile broke up in flight, has been deemed a failure to U.S. officials confirmed Uh, The missile has been assessed as a KN-17. Most of us have no idea what that means, but maybe a couple of you do. It's a former Scud missile that officials believe is being tested to one day target ships. It flew roughly 25 miles, was in the air for about 15 minutes, uh, and then, well, it was destroyed. A White House official says that the U.S. is not surprised by the latest test nor the fact that it failed. The White House is watching the situation closely, consulting with China about Kim's behavior. And the U.S. is moving toward pushing for another round of sanctions next week. The KN-17 is a single-stage liquid-fueled missile, not the three-stage solid-fuel missile that North Korea successfully tested back in February that caused more concern among Pentagon officials. North Korea routinely, as you know, test fires a variety of ballistic missiles and despite the United Nations prohibitions, and they're very good at giving prohibitions, not putting teeth in them. But nonetheless, as part of a push to develop a long-range ballistic missile capable of hitting the United States, uh, that has been ineffective, as has everything else uh, that's been tried, including apparently in this case, pressure from China. Well, on Monday, the Pentagon announced it was conducting a new nuclear posture uh, review two days after the North failed to launch a new type of ballistic missile, which exploded four seconds after launch. The latest failed test over the uh, weekend occurred hours, and of course, it's weekend there already. But it occurred hours before Vice President Pence touched down in Seoul on Monday. Uh, He visited the demilitarized zone on the border between North and South, warned the rogue communist regime against conducting further tests. They've now conducted a test of a lesser threatening missile that failed, but nonetheless um, does signal what uh, what we might expect in the days ahead. So that's it. The only uh, other serious news will be uh, discussing today. Well, the question is being asked uh, by Oregon Live if the meadowlark, which is the Oregon state bird, is doomed uh, to lose its position and asking the question, what is the state looking for? Now, I don't know if you've seen this bird. It's a cute little thing. It's got a a fairly long beak and it's a meadowlark. It sings. It's a beautiful little bird. I'm not sure what a state bird is expected to do. But according to this um, column in the uh, Oregonian, meadowlark, you're out. At least that's what lawmakers are saying about you. Do you know you're failing as Oregon State Bird? You let people in roads and malls uh, 
trammel and build upon your grassland habitat, diminishing your numbers. Besides, you're small and brightly colored and compared to big, dark raptors with sharp talons, weak. As birds go, you have a cute chirp, but that's it. No matter that about 45,000 Oregon school children voted you back in 1927, They voted you in, lifting you to icon status for generations. No matter that school children today are shut out from defending you or choosing your successor. No matter that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, noting your decline in recent decades, describes you on its website as an iconic flagship species, an ambassador species for the ecoregion and strategy habitat. Thanks to your entertainments and value along the way, But official Oregon wants a Bubba bird, and in the legislature, you're losing your status. Apparently, Senator Fred, I think it's Gerard of Staten, is leading the charge. He wants the state bird that is striking, awesome, a killer, he says. Uh, He's already persuaded the Senate to vote you out and the fish-eating osprey in. Only a few lawmakers, among them Senators. Uh, Betsy Johnson and uh, Pre- Senate President Peter Courtney have remained loyal to you, Oregon State Bird. But this isn't really about the osprey, an ancient and magisterial bird being a bad actor. Why doesn't um, why doesn't this group like you anymore? Why haven't you flourished as Oregon has developed? Well, apparently the uh, legislature faces a one point six billion dollar budget gap, complex matters of public policy to Uh, parse this year yet lawmakers are finding the time to cast you dear sweet state bird to cast you off for a raptor of commanding power agility resourcefulness the kind of thing modern oregonians aspire to themselves so it looks like the uh, the state bird the meadowlark the sweet little bird is out i don't think i've ever seen a meadowlark i think i have um, meadowlarks that come to my little feeder in the back Oh, yeah. Backyard. This is a very colorful bird, but I'm seeing the picture in black and white, so I'm not sure if the coloring is quite right. I need to go to my chart. I have a bird chart at home oh. so I can identify who's whom. But it's kind of sad. Yeah. It was voted in back in 1927 by school children. And now the grown-ups, the legislator, uh, legislators are changing that. Well, if we can't balance that budget, at least we can do this. Yeah, you can always point to, you know, PERS is going bankrupt, but we got a new state bird. And it's a killer. It's a killer. Anyway, kind of a sad story. If you've lived here a long time, it is, yeah. I had no idea what the state bird was. Oh, you didn't know? I, I didn't know why we need a state bird. I mean, we have state every. We have a state yeah. dish towel. We do you have know what a the state uh, hose. Do you, do you know what the state drink is? I have no idea. It's milk. Oh, I got a that story was voted on that. in '97. I got a story on that milk. You think you're just drinking a beverage, but it's much more than that, according to PETA. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you about it just yet. Seriously, is the state uh, beverage in Oregon milk? Yeah. Why does the state? <laughs> why does the state need us beverage? The dairy lobby, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I, what do you do? No, with I that? think it was. I think it was voted the state beverage in 1997. So, what do you do with a state beverage? I don't know. I do not know. Yeah, it's a, kind of an odd. Thing. We have a state mushroom too. <laughs> what state would this be I, if we didn't have a mushroom? Yeah. I forgot what it is. It's like the Pacific something or other. Oh, yeah, it's a special mushroom. I mean, it seems to me if we have a state something, it ought to be mandatory knowledge that all the residents have to know that this is your state, whatever it is. What's our state flower? I think it's the Oregon grape. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I knew it was something odd. That, that's it. Yeah. Okay, this one I just thought the headline was funny and everything that followed. Expect delays at the Oregon DMV due to computer issues. <laughs> really? You had to <laughs> you had to report expect delays at the DMV? 
I would think a headline would be no delays at the DMV, and that would merit ever a again. Very, yes, a that very would be a headline. Lengthy story, but it goes on. Unspecified mainframe computer issues have been causing delays at the Oregon DMV office since Friday. There have been delays at the Oregon DMV office since its inception back in the who knows when. <laughs> Uh, The glitch is also causing delays for online customers. No news there, according to the Oregon Department of Transportation. DMV apologizes for the inconvenience and asks for customers to be patient. Consider rescheduling their visit to try online registration, which, of course, is apparently also down, Mm. um, the agency said in their prepared statement. There is no timeline for regular service to return. (laughs) We've been waiting decades for regular service to return to the DMV and there will be once this computer glitch is taken care of there will be substantial delays just saying uh, you know i got to tell you uh, i had to go get my driver's license renewed a couple weeks ago and so i went to the to the DMV the and, picture and everything yeah yeah oh. i went to the DMV and showed yeah it looks like a prison photo i look <laughs> like a all? member of the alcatraz glee club <laughs> So, yeah, so I went to the, I go to the Sherwood DMV, and that's the closest one to my house, and every time I go there, they always look, the workers always look like they're not happy, right? Yeah, a little haggard. And you kind of look around, and you see a million people in there, and realize why they probably don't look happy, but once I've actually gone in and talked with them, and get up there, they can be friendly. Yeah, they can I, be friendly. I, I'm not disparaging the people who work there. There's just something about the system, the fact that it's a government agency. I mean, if it was a private agency and you were going in to do something like yeah, that. Yeah, but even that, were, I don't, I haven't found a lot of delays. I mean, you have to take a number. Oh, I've always but, had delays. You know, I always had delays. Anyway, I just thought it was funny that they would have a headline that there are delays. Yes, the and <laughs> I'm trying to say that it's not always so bad. Okay. Well, I'm glad you've had a singular good experience. Well, I've had more One than a singular. One of my worst experiences. I've had many good experiences at the, at the DMV. Thank you, DMV. There you go. Are you happy? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy for you. Uh, one of my worst experiences at the DMV had nothing to do with the service there. My mom had to go, and so several years ago, she went to get her license renewed, and it included the picture. And uh, we, after the, you know, they call the name, and you go up to pick the <laughs> pick the card up, and my mom looked at it, and then she showed it to me. And that was the most ridiculous picture I'd ever seen in my whole life. And it was so funny to me. It didn't look like my mom. Is this you or is this someone else? It looked like a cartoon character. Oh my. And, I, you know, I'm there with my mother. She's in her 80s. And I, I started laughing and I could not walk. It was, the picture was so ridiculous. And even today, if she wants to make me laugh, she'll pull that out. She doesn't drive any longer. But that picture does the trick because... Well, how did she feel about the photo? Did you hurt her feelings? She thought it was ridiculous. It it just was. I mean, have you ever had a good picture taken at the DMV? They're not intended to be glamour shots. Well, actually, I'd like to say there was was one that was (laughs) one of the best photos ever. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been able to replicate it, but it was from... Have you put your application in for the DMV? (laughs) What's this about? (laughs) No, no. I had a great passport photo once, too. Wow. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce Mr. Exception. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take a quick break, but uh, assuming we're still working here, we'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 35 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. By the way, Clark Hilton is engineering and uh, also participating in the program. Participating. Participating. Well, Kitty Hawk has apparently unveiled its flyer. It's a flying car prototype that takes off and lands vertically over water. 
Uh, my guess is the Portland City Council is already making arrangements to welcome it into the community. Uh, the company explains on its website that we've designed our first version specifically to fly over water. Uh, you don't need a pilot's license, and you'll learn to fly in minutes. Oh, perfect. Something about that just does not sound good to me, which is why I'm certain it'll be in Portland before the day's out. The flyer can automatically hold an adi- an altitude, maybe an attitude, I don't know, but an altitude of 15 feet over water. Kitty Hawk says that the FAA has approved the flyer to operate in the agency's ultralight category of aircraft, although its operation is limited to uncongested areas. So maybe it won't, maybe it won't be in Portland. in Portland. Yeah. Uh, backed by Google co-founder Larry Page, the official version of the flyer will be available by the end of this year. Uh, pricing has not yet been released. A number of tech companies, including Uber, are developing flying cars as well. I'm not ready to live in the era of the Jetsons just yet, yeah. but uh, we'll see. Speaking of flying, however, the question is, who killed Simon Rabbit? Was it United Airlines to blame? The world's largest rabbit, or at least a very large rabbit that was expected to grow into and replace the world's largest rabbit. Not that rabbit. Harvey the rabbit in Aloha. Right, right. Yeah. This rabbit apparently uh, turned up dead in the cargo hold of United Airlines. Well, I heard about this. Really? Do they need another PR flap? So who killed Simon the giant rabbit? Three-foot Simon, <clears throat> who was uh, bred to be the world's biggest bunny, died in the cargo section of United 747 on a flight from London to Chicago. I felt that very way myself on a flight from you know, uh, one side of the ocean to the other. British breeder Annette Edwards said the rabbit was examined by a veterinarian just before he was placed in the, in the flight to cargo hold. Got clean bill of health. He was fit as a fiddle, she said. Uh, I've sent uh, rabbits around the world. Nothing like this has ever happened. United said it was saddened by the incident and is investigating the death of the oversized bunny. Uh, there were some rumors that it was slapped around and dragged from one end of the cargo <laughs> hold to another before the flight, but that is still unconfirmed. Uh, we were saddened to hear of this news. The safety and well-being of all animals that travel with us is of the utmost importance of United Airlines and our pet safe team. We have been in contact with our customer and have offered assistance. I'm not sure what assistance you can offer at this point. The bunny is dead. Uh, We are reviewing this matter, the airline said in a statement. Well, United has been in damage control mode this month. Passenger Dr. David Dow lost two front teeth, suffered a broken nose when he was forcibly removed from an uh, overbooked flight. The incident was captured on video that swiftly went viral on social media. And we learned earlier this week that they have actually settled with United. And I'm sure the sum is quite Mm. tidy. United promised to review its policies. And on Thursday, the airline announced it would overbook uh, less, it's not that they won't overbook, they're going to overbook less and offer passengers more, up to $10,000 in compensation to voluntarily give up their seat. United also said passengers who were already seated would not be asked to give up their seat. I'm telling you, I'm going to book a flight today that I have no intention of taking to get that $10,000. Will you give up your seat? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We could make that a part-time job. <laughs> exactly. Just book flights, all you know, uh, flights that are uh, very heavily traveled what all over the country. Let's go do that five, six times a year. Absolutely. <clears throat> Retire young. Oh, too yeah. late. I'm already old, so that won't happen. But you could. Retire young. Let's yeah. see here. Well, uh, Oregon State University, they uh, debuted a new logo, a mission statement, highlighting state and global Uh, reach of the university, and I'm obviously an Oregon duck, uh, but I do appreciate uh, having had a couple of uh, 
well, a niece and a nephew attend Oregon State. I have come to appreciate it for reasons I won't go into now. But Oregon State University debuted a new logo, a mission statement, branding campaign, uh, emphasizing the Corvallis-based school's broad reach across the state and around the world. The state's largest public university, didn't know that, uh, started the marketing effort two years ago with an, a, an audit of its brand by higher education marketing firms, and they paid the firm a substantial amount of money to audit uh, and do some branding work. They're also, com- or rather, they also commissioned a new institutional logo inspired by the university and state official seal and state flag. It's really quite attractive. A beaver sits atop a log, which features three stars to represent OSU's three campuses, and Oregon being the 33rd state to join the union. Mountains signify the Cascade Range. A book represents knowledge, and other symbols highlight the land-grant university's mission to study land, sea, and space. So there are stars, mountains, a horizon. It's actually quite attractive. So Oregon State has been rebranded. How about that? Yeah. I don't think they will still beat Oregon in football, but we'll have to see. (laughs) That's, yeah, yeah. I always like to include at least one terrifying story to keep me up uh, at night on a Friday afternoon. It usually involves animals, doesn't it? It involves animals. Uh, Yes, it usually does. Mm -hmm. This one is out of Texas. Uh, Apparently a bobcat left a Texas woman in distress, to put it mildly, after chasing her pet dog into her home through an open back door. Pat McDonald of Plano uh, and no, she is not related to old McDonald. I checked that out. Uh, she's from Plano, Texas. She said she left her sliding glass door slightly open to allow her two miniature pinchers um, to walk between the house and the backyard as they pleased when she heard a scream from one of them. She turned to find her female dog, Precious, being chased by a bobcat that ran into her home. She says he came right in. Yeah, when you're a bobcat, you pretty much do do as you please. She said the bobcat rushed around her home before leaping on top of her six-foot-tall display cabinet where it uh, knocked down candle holders, picture frames. The bobcat eventually left the house after she opened the door fully, but Precious, the nine-year-old dog, had sustained serious injuries from bites to the head, the ear, and the neck. Mm. She was bleeding like a little stuffed hog. It's kind of an interesting stuffed hog. <laughs> stuffed hog, a poor little thing. She said after insulting it by referring to it as a stuffed hog. Anyway, a veterinarian said the dog is expected to survive. McDonald said she planned to keep her back door shut from now on. A neighbor said that she had seen the bobcat in the neighborhood before, but never expected it would enter a home. Well, you just don't know what a bobcat's going to do. That gives me goosebumps. She said. And she's a little scared. Uh, James Cantrell of Plano Animal Services said the encounter was highly unusual. And while instances of bobcats attacking pets occur about twice a month, this was the first time he heard of a bobcat entering a residence in his 20 years of working in an animal shelter. Most people don't leave a door open for an animal to come in and out as they please. And so he followed the or he or she followed the creature. And that's how it happened. McDonald, the pet owner, said the bizarre attack would be a memory that she will carry with her for some time. That memory will be burned in my mind forever. Which, of course, is some time. <laughs> and then there's this. Your kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, they were probably all in school today. But in this, um, in this story, at an elementary school, a four-foot boa constrictor discovered by a student oh. in a New Jersey elementary school may have been drawn to the smell of the class pet, also a boa constrictor. So apparently they had one in the classroom as a pet. Another caught the scent and decided he, too, 
wanted to be academically challenged. (laughs) Officials at Riverside Elementary School in Princeton confirmed that third graders in Mrs. Riley's class alerted the teacher uh, Tuesday afternoon uh, to the presence of the boa constrictor in the back of the classroom. A spokeswoman for the uh, school district said the school science teacher placed uh, the snake, which the children dubbed Zeus, in a cage overnight before turning it over to the Montgomery Township animal control officer. Now, I'm impressed. She apparently picked the thing up and was able to put it in a cage. I would have been unconscious laying on the floor and the students would have been frantic looking for the principal. But that's another story. (laughs) Officials said the students weren't scared of the snake because Ms. Riley's class has a pet boa constrictor, a female named Cuddles. Not hardly. They theorized that Cuddles' scent drew the other snake to the classroom. Zeus, uh, Zeus's origins are unknown, but officials said the snake was in poor health when the student found it. This has uh, been a joyous story for us, said the Riverside principal. Okay, how do you get joyous story out of a boas constrictor that's four feet long showing up in an elementary classroom? Anyway, the principal said, this has been a joyous story for us. Our discovery saved the snake's life. Well, it's a joyous story maybe for the snake, but that's another story too. (laughs) The teacher used the surprising discovery as a teachable moment. That's what teachers do and ask the students to write a fictional story imagining where the snake came from, according to a spokesperson from the school. Well, that was quite an adventure for the elementary school students. And again, happily, they were familiar with snakes And uh, we're not frightened. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll let you know what happened at an Arkansas Walmart parking lot. Didn't involve snakes, did it? Yeah. Oh. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 51 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Clark Hilton also engineering today's program. We were talking about snakes And um, apparently somebody uh, decided they were going to pull a prank. I'm not really sure what the motivation was, but shoppers got a very big scare at a Walmart in Arkansas after somebody dumped dozens of snakes in the parking lot over the weekend. Apparently collected them and just dumped them all in one little spot, and they were in one of those knots that snakes tend to get into. Oh, no. Uh, They are non-venomous garden snakes, according to the detective who was called to the scene. It appeared that someone collected the snakes, as many as 40 of them, four zero of them, and dumped them in a pile in the parking lot on Sunday night. Wow. No injuries were reported. Um, They were concerned that people trying to get away might injure themselves. No criminal offenses will be filed, however. They do say the suspect, uh, if the the suspect is caught uh, committing another bad joke like this one, they could be charged. So there's a little bit of a warning in that possibility. Uh, The detective hopes that this is the last time the town has to deal with something like this, and he uh, warns wildlife herders to leave animals alone. If you like to play with snakes, keep them in their natural habitat where they belong. It's not cute. It's going to get somebody hurt. So I don't know what the deal was with with that. I thought this was a rather interesting story. Uh, I didn't go to an Ivy League uh, university. Some people do. I didn't. But after reading this story, I'm quite pleased. I went to the University of Oregon. A group of Yale University graduate students, these are not undergraduates, these are graduate students. They, they have already earned their bachelor's degree, and they're moving upward with more education. So these are Yale University graduate students announced on Tuesday evening that they would be undertaking a hunger strike to pressure the administration into granting them better union benefits. Nothing all that unusual about that. The strike is taking place in front of 
University President Peter Salavoy's home. So I don't know if they've set up a campsite or what they're doing, but Yale okay. wants to make us wait and wait and wait, they said, until we give up and go away. The eight members of the Graduate Student Union Local 33 announced, we have committed ourselves to waiting without eating. Well, one Yale doctoral student uh, currently uh, earn, uh, or I should say, Yale doctoral students currently earn a stipend of $30,000 a year. I wouldn't mind that as a student. Anyway, they receive free health care. They have uh, their $40,000 tuition paid in full, according to Yale's news. The university administration said in a statement that they uh, understood the students' concern, but strongly urged that the students not put their health at risk or encourage others to do so. Well, as it turns out, uh, the hunger strike might not put anyone's health in peril. According to a pamphlet that was posted on Twitter by a former Yale student, the hunger strike is symbolic. And protesters can leave and get food when they oh, come can no on. longer go on. Oh, <laughs> symbolic? So what does that mean? <laughs> I'm going on a hunger strike. Of course, I'm going to keep the three squares a day, but um, symbolically... I'm, I'm starving. starving. <laughs> Local 33 posted a video about the strike on their Facebook page, including quotes endorsing their fast from co-founder of the National Farm Workers Association and vice president of the Democratic National Committee. Uh, and one um, one post uh, said to update the Yale Grad Student Union is holding a symbolic hunger strike. They eat when they're hungry, but it's still inspirational. <laughs> it inspires me to go to something other than an Ivy, <laughs> Ivy League University. Wow. A symbolic hunger strike. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of gives new meaning to the word snowflake. Uh, I don't know. You were mentioning uh, milk is the official drink of the state of Oregon. That may need to be changed in these sensitive times. Mm. Um, PETA apparently says that milk is a symbol of white supremacy. Oh, is it really? Apparently so. Uh, they're in their effort to save the animals. They always make the headlines, and with good reason. They're completely absurd in many cases. Well, the animal rights group uh, they released a new video to cry uh, to cry over well spilt milk, equating the nutritious drink with Nazism. So, if you were reared on milk, if you enjoy milk with your meal, uh, I I'm a little bit um, nervous about going home tonight because I have to tell my black mother that she raised her black children on milk. And that we are officially white supremacists. I'm not sure how she's. Going I to always take that. knew that about you. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure what to go, what to do with that. Following the rise of the Trump derangement syndrome and the uh, hysteria over white supremacism, PETA states, "Did you know that milk has long been a symbol used by white supremacists?" Now I don't know if it is or not, but I think maybe the consumption of milk might, you know, I, I could be wrong, might predate uh, what they're making reference to. It's an alternative fact accompanied by an equally ludicrous video, which they published on social media. Well, to back up their statement, they even say it played a prominent role in the Jordan Peele race comedy Get Out with quotes uh, from the director. And, of course, Jordan Peele should know as a black man who was probably raised drinking milk. Milk. Well, it's um, followed by some secretly captured and horrifying footage of cows being I'm sorry. Can I even say this on the air? Cows being manhandled, also known as milked. Uh, wow. Oh. And the absurd uh, factory farm workers who are responsible for actually carrying mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm going to do. I, I bought milk this last weekend. I've had a couple uh, glasses just in the last uh, week. I'm going to go home. I'm going to pour it out. I'm not going to have this. 
I don't know what I'm going to do when it comes time to make ice cream, but I'll figure something out. Do we live in an absurd uh, time or At times it seems what? like it. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly does. Speaking of absurd, a Louisiana woman celebrated her love for fast food chain Popeye's by taking her engagement photos with boxes of fried chicken. How is she going to explain that to the kids and the grandkids? I don't know. Elise Chelsea Clark of New Orleans shared an album to Facebook titled Finally Engaged, featuring engagement announcement style photos of her posing lovingly alongside Popeye's fried chicken and biscuits. I never thought in a million years someone would love me this much, she wrote. Clark told the New Orleans Times Picayune she and her photographer friend, friend rather Whitney Tucker, uh, witnessed this photography, came up with the idea after another food-themed photo of Clark garnered some attention. And that's the name of the game these days, attention. As much attention as I can get, the better. Well, Clark said, I took a photo of me eating a hamburger and got a bunch of likes, and my friend uh, Whitney messaged me with the idea, and we went on from there. Apparently, she's not actually engaged at all. She's engaged in eating chicken, but there is no partner involved. The two simply hoped to um, to show off Clark's love for Popeyes, which she said she eats all the time. But the photo quickly went viral, being shared by more than a thousand people, or a thousand times since they were posted on Tuesday. Oh. A thousand posts. Isn't that just the achievement of a lifetime? I had no idea it would be this big, she said. It's blowing up very fast, very fast. Clark told UPI Popeyes has yet to reach out to her or Tucker and said she would appreciate any kind of recognition from their favorite fast food chain. So they're looking for, you know, something, maybe a little stipend. Who knows? I would be happy with anything, really. Though free food, the chance to meet the Popeyes lady spokesperson or even a follow-up shoot, I would be very awesome, she said. Well, Clark added that many people told her the post inspired them to stop by Popeye's to pick up a meal and that Tucker has been uh, contacted for a bunch of shoots since the photo went viral. So what do you say during this top of the hour break, you run out and get some Popeye's, we snap a couple pictures. Okay. All right, then. By the way, did I mention I don't really like Popeye's chicken? I'm a Kentucky fried chicken girl. If I'm going to get fast food chicken, it's going to be Kentucky original recipe. Maybe we should take some pictures of that. We'll be back. News and traffic up next. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Clark Hilton is engineering and we're glad to have you with us. Oh, by the way, James Blend producing. Uh, it is a fun Friday afternoon and we are trying our hardest uh, to focus on the lighter side of the news. Stories you wouldn't normally cover Monday through Thursday, but make time to cover today. How are we doing Clark. So far, so good. All right. Okay. You know, it's that season when children are out of school and they begin to... No, it's not. They're not well, out yeah, of this school year. yet. I said we were approaching, but you're right. It's going to be a little bit later this year. But Little League and some of the uh, sports uh, teams are starting to gather. And yep. one yep. Wisconsin Little League program is targeting overzealous parents because you now have to address not just the kids for immature behavior, but their parents as well, with a sign reminding them that their kids are not being scouted by the Brewers today. <laughs> <laughs> Evan Primakow, uh, whose son plays in Glendale's Little League program, posted a photo uh, to Reddit of the sign installed at the program's field. The sign reads, number one, these are kids. Number two, this is a game. Number three, coaches are volunteers. Number four, umpires are human. Number five, your child is not being scouted by the Brewers today. Well, the uh, poster of that poster 
um, quickly went viral, applauded officials for providing the reminder. He said, I like the message, but I also thought it was a nice tongue-in-cheek way of getting the message out there. It's not mean. It's uh, kind of funny. Uh, Glendale Little League President John Dietrich, uh, he said the sign was installed because some Little League parents seem to need the reminder. We've had some parents who have been a little, well, let's say, intense around the field, making comments sometimes at our umpires, other parents, and so forth. Well, Dietrich said nobody's really complained about the sign, but I still uh, see some competitiveness in parents. Let's just uh, take it less seriously. We're here for the kids, which uh, I guess is something that needs to be uh, stated more often than it used to be, or at least they're bold enough to state it now and have put up with it long enough. So, yay. Well, Coca-Cola wants a soda drink um, that is considered more healthful than the regular Coca-Cola. So less sugar? Well, of course, they want customers to buy their products often, but they also want your insides, um, well, you know, to move regularly as well. Well, the soda what? giant is now selling a sugar-free Calorie-free cola with added fiber. Uh, Well, that's not good for a road trip, is it? (laughs) Though only available in Japan currently, Hmm. Business uh, Insiders report that the company spent over 10 years developing the sparkling Metamucil-inspired beverage Coca-Cola Plus. (laughs) You got Coca-Cola, you've got Metamucil. I don't think I want that in the same beverage. I mean, maybe others do. It contains five grams of fiber, which accounts for about a fifth of one's recommended daily needs. Uh, We're looking to add functional beverages. (laughs) That certainly would be functional, would it not? Coke's president and CEO James Quincy told reporters on Tuesday, the company is also rolling out a fiber-enhanced version of Canada Dry Ginger Ale as well. But is um, this something consumers really want? You're going to have to worry about where you are 18 to uh, 12 to 18 hours later, right? <laughs> Marion Nessel, who's a professor of nutrition, food studies, and public health at New York University, says, I doubt it. Although it depends on how it tastes, no pun intended with the insertion of depends. Mm-hmm. Um, people who like Coke don't want it uh, tampered with. And that's tampered and not pampered, by the way. Um, people who don't want, uh, don't rather, wouldn't care. Those seeking fiber can find other sources. Well, nutrients aren't sold on the, uh, uh, I should say nutritionists are not sold on the beverage either. Uh, one, a registered dietitian, nutritionist, not a nutrition, an expert consultant in disease prevention and healthful living thinks that while the functional beverage space is hot, she's not sure that a soda will help alleviate the substantial lack of fiber Missing in the average Western diet. So chances are it probably will not be on a shelf shelf near you anytime soon. But if you're in Japan, look for it. A functional cola, or rather in this case, Coke. Well, how much would you pay for a piece of mold? No, really. How much would you pay for, you know, a piece I, of mold? I can get it for free in this state. <laughs> yeah, really. Just look, state refriger- plant. Just look at the yeah. refrigerator here at the station. Ooh, yeah. If your answer is nothing, it may surprise you to know that someone else... They answered that question with $14,617. A patch of green bacteria encased in a round glass dish sold for that sum to an unnamed buyer at a London auction on Wednesday. Well, the furry samples uh, case is signed on the back by Alexander Fleming, the scientist who um, scoured the world's first uh, life 
saving antibiotic. Scour the world for that. His uh, inscription describes this sample as the mold that first made penicillin. Apparently it's the original, which may not quite be so, the AP notes, since the Scottish-born doctor produced uh, many more uh, medallions since the original. Well, the payday for Fleming's niece, who said the sample was substantially higher than predicted sale price of $5,000, but it may have been a relative bargain for the buyer. Pfizer uh, paid many times that, $51,000 in today's dollars in 1996 for a similar blob. Uh, Once thought to be rare, it turns out many samples exist made by Fleming and gifted to uh, notables such as Winston Churchill, Pope Pius, let's see, the 12th, Marlena Dietrich, almost uh, as a kind of holy relic. Would you be flattered if someone (laughs) bequeathed you or gave you an original mold? Hard to say. Yeah. Hard to say. Not everyone was happy to receive one. Queen Elizabeth's husband reportedly griped about getting another one of these bloody things. Uh, More bits of trivia. Smithsonian reports Fleming made microbial and uh, art paintings, rather. And AP reports that after Oxford scientists refined Fleming's discovery, penicillin production was put into high gear in preparation for D-Day in 1944. So those are a little bit of trivia associated with this $15,000 decades-old mold for the person, apparently, who has everything. And then there's this for the person who may have absolutely nothing. If you have $425 burning a hole in your pocket and are looking to purchase some new fashion for spring that will make you look like you've slipped on a rainy day at a music festival, (laughs) uh, look no further than Nordstrom. They have you covered The Barracuda straight leg jeans are described as heavily distressed medium blue denim jeans in a comfortable straight leg fit. Uh, They embody rugged Americana workwear that seems um, that's seen some hardworking action with a crackled, caked on muddy coating that shows you're not afraid to get down and dirty, even though I heard about these jeans gotten down or dirty. So they show you're not afraid to get down and dirty, even though you spent $425 just so you wouldn't have to actually get down (laughs) and dirty in them. Well, Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs uh, wrote a response on his Facebook page, which I wanted to share with you. But I should probably hold that over to the next next break because uh, he, of course highlights jobs that are really dirty that would produce the kind of jeans that Nordstrom is selling for $425. You know, you've had them ripped, torn, bleached, what's left but dirty, uh, caked with mud. So I suppose this is just an, the entrepreneurial impulse to come up with something new. We'll talk more about that in just a few moments. But would you spend $425 for a pair of dirty jeans with caked on mud, the kind that you would produce if you worked in your garden or I, uh, we're a farmer or some I got news for you. I wouldn't person. spend $425 on any pair of jeans. Well, to spend them on a pair that's like this is even worse. But you're absolutely right. I mean, who would spend that much for pants? But we'll get into The person into, who uh, has everything except a dirty yard. So they don't have the one thing that they really need, and that's good sense. <laughs> <laughs> we'll continue in just a few moments. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 19 minutes after 5 o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're talking about the $425 jeans that uh, apparently Nordstrom is peddling uh, that are caked with fake mud uh, so that it gives you that, what do they call it, the um, 
Barracuda straight leg jeans described as heavily distressed, medium blue denim jeans and a comfortable straight leg fit. They embody rugged Americana workwear that seems uh, some hardworking action with a crackled, caked on muddy coating that shows you're not (laughs) you're not afraid to get down and dirty. You're willing to pay somebody to roll in the mud for you and then pay them a hefty sum uh, to wear the the product of their efforts. Uh, anyway, Mike Rowe, who's the guy who's the host of the program, um, let's see, Dirty Jobs, I think is the name of it. This is what he writes on his Facebook page about these jeans. This morning, for your consideration, I offer further proof that our country's war on work continues to rage in all corners of polite society. Behold the latest assault from Nordstrom's, the Barracuda straight leg jeans. Finally, a pair of jeans that look like they have been worn by someone with a dirty job made for people who actually don't. And you can have your very own pair for just 400 and Here's the official description from their website. These heavily distressed medium blue denim jeans embody rugged Americana workwear that seems some hardworking action with a crackled, caked-on, muddy coating that shows you're not afraid to get down and dirty. On the positive side, Nordstrom's isn't purging their shelves of work-related imagery like the owners of Monopoly did when they replaced the wheelbarrow with the rubber ducky. They seem to value icons... um, uh, work. Uh, What they don't value, obviously, is authenticity. I understand the appeal of buying broken-in jeans. I mean, really, who has time these days to wait for a pair of jeans to naturally fade? I also understand the different cuts might as well uh, get something that fits and feels comfortable. But they lost me years ago with the various uh, stages of distress. The stone wash, the acid wash, uh, the rinsed wash, the bleach wash. Uh, They really lost me when they started tearing holes in them on purpose. I saw a pair of jeans at Macy's the other day that looked like they'd um, been bathed in boric acid, hung up and shot multiple times with a 20 gauge and then pounded uh, on a rock down the river. They, too, were sold for $249. But forget the jeans themselves for a moment and their price and look again at the actual description. Rugged Americana is now synonymous with caked on muddy coating. Not real mud, fake mud, something to foster the illusion of work, the illusion of effort, or perhaps for those who actually buy them, the illusion of sanity. The Barracuda straight leg jeans aren't pants. They're not even fashion. They're a costume for wealthy people who see work as ironic, not iconic to them. Might I suggest the revolutionary new borax wash, which I discovered some years ago while rescuing birds who had the misfortune of falling into Um, Cyril Lake in the lovely and picturesque town of Trona. If Nordstrom's wants to carry them, the description would read something like this. Finally, a pair of jeans for the hardworking gent who doesn't want to actually wear them. The borax wash is a rugged and so many uh, is rugged and so manly, rather, uh, they don't even need a human to hold them up. So sit back and relax, secure in the knowledge that your work pants can't be folded or stored like other jeans. Show the world You mean business by owning the only jeans that can't be worn, the jeans that can stand on their own, $600 only at Nordstrom. And then here are some of the comments to that post and uh, to these uh, very expensive caked-on mud-like substance jeans. I I guess they couldn't use real mud because a couple of washings and they would be clean again. So it's it's not even real mud. It's some sort of fake substance to look like mud. Uh, One writes, what kind of absolute schmuck do you (laughs) have to be to buy something like that? Maybe I should sell the jeans I wear to paint walls and such on Craigslist uh, real quick. Another wrote, give me your jeans and for a mere 200 bucks, 
Uh, I'll one-of-a-kind customize them for you. You can choose from horse barn mucker, chicken coop builder, tractor grease, potter's clay, or many other days' labor. Um, or um, it's not worth it unless you um, you spend a lot, so maybe $200 isn't enough. $600, and I'll let one of the goats chew a hole in the leg. <laughs> Another, to paraphrase, they value work but not authenticity. I think you just described what's wrong with a lot of things today. These pants, another wrote, are the hard work equivalent of a participation trophy. Still another responder. So I can buy mud-caked jeans for $425 at Nordstrom's or just go outside and work in my yard and get the same for about 20 bucks. They want the illusion of working a dirty job because it's cool without actually working a dirty job. Ugh. Nordstrom, um, so Forbes had an interesting uh, thing that they wrote, and that is that Nordstrom has accidentally served up the let them eat cake moment for the new economy. Mm, there you go. One uh, respondent writes, Mike, I work in the oil field and you just helped me realize I have a gold mine hanging in my closet. Thanks, man. A farmer writes, raised on a farm, we had work clothes and town clothes. Respectable people did not wear torn, faded or dirty clothes to town. He goes on from there. Another, let's not even get into the trend of ripped jeans. There's more to it, but I won't repeat that. That shows knees and pockets lining and areas no one should see while wearing pants. I'm married to a farmer who buys his jeans at Costco, wears them until they rip out uh, by real dirty work, and then replaces them at $35 bucks, uh, 35 do- bucks a pair. But I will gladly sell anyone uh, his throwaway jeans if you want authentic. And finally, think of it this way. If you'd put your used pants up for sale or auction, you could get a lot of money for them. You could use them to raise money for some worthwhile causes. Just a thought. Well, it is a thought. It goes on from there. And you can find uh, Mike Rowe's website, or I should say Facebook page, where his um, comment and those that followed um, can be found. But just how absurd is this? Uh, And unfortunately, not altogether surprising. So that's the sad part. Well, summer is coming. And with it, the flies will be returning. What, re- what does it really mean when a fly lands on your food? Here we are broadcasting in the public interest. And why should you stop eating and throw it away immediately? Well, here's our science segment. Spring and summer may herald warm weather and sunshine, but it also harks the arrival of irritating flies that try to land on your food. We swat them away, but what if they land? What do you do then? It turns out there are some really good reasons, some very good reasons why most people try to shoo them away before they can land on their food. And though many people just think they're a minor annoyance, it turns out the insects are actually loaded with germs that could pose a serious threat to your health. Not only that, a fly almost always vomits on your food as it's ready to consume its own when it lands. So it's not just a matter of standing around, it's actually busy. Flies, on average, carry more than 200 forms of harmful bacteria thanks to the disgusting things they tend to land on. Some, as, uh, such as rotting food and, well, fecal matter, a pest control expert revealed. It's the thousands of tiny hairs on the arms and legs of the fly that mean those dangerous germs can transfer to your food if the fly lands on it for mere seconds, or for that matter, second, one. They only need to touch your food for a second for their legs or their tiny hairs all over their bodies to transfer germs from all those nasty things they eat onto what you're eating, says an entomologist and technical services director at Orkin Pest Control. And since flies can transfer serious contagious diseases like cholera, dysentery, and typhoid, 
It's probably best if you avoid eating things that a fly lands on. It's not the same as the three-second rule. That's not to mention what a fly actually does when it lands on the food. I've already mentioned it. I won't repeat it, but it's disgusting. Flies will almost always, well, I already told you what they almost always do. Well, the insects can't chew, so they eject digestive enzymes onto the food before they eat it, uh, before eating it up again. So it's... Well, I think you got the idea. So next time a fly lands on your food, it's best to cut that part out of whatever it is you're eating and just throw it away to avoid consuming the insect's germs. Did you know that? I mean, having a fly land on your food is pretty disgusting, but I didn't realize what all went into it. No, and I'm not sure what to do with this information. Well, they suggest you... I think I'm just going to ignore it and pretend I didn't hear it. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Typhus. I've actually had uh, flies land on food before, and I haven't gotten sick, so I don't think I'm going to spend a lot of time worrying about this. But but aren't you going to cut out the little part where they landed? No. Really? Yeah. Make like I said, I'm just going to pretend do like we didn't hear this, or I didn't hear this. Clark, do not shake hands. Do not. Or just don't come over for any more picnics. Yeah, I guess that would be the, the steer thing. clear. But I had no idea what was all involved in a. Yeah, I didn't either, things. and that's why I'm going to now pretend I didn't hear you. <laughs> Well, we've we've uh, determined that the three second rule actually applies in some cases, but not all. And now we know a little and bit how more will about you the know? fly. How will you know? Well, it depends on the surface and the length of time. We discussed it in detail some weeks back. I thought you were taking <coughs> notes. Apparently yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. We're going to take a quick break here at the bottom of uh, the hour, and when we return, we're going to share with you what uh, Tom Rayner, who is a pastor and a contributor at the Christian Post. Um, online publication. We're going to talk about 25 really strange things church members said to their pastors. I'm telling you, there's not a pastor who's served for any length of time who couldn't write a book on the things we've said and done as parishioners. We'll share a few of them in just a few moments. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 34 minutes after five o'clock. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Clark Hilton is engineering, and I think that covers everything. 25 really strange things church members said to pastors. Tom Rayner is a contributor to the Christian Post, and occasionally he'll come up with a list of things that in the church we say or do, which makes us all laugh. It's not a boring vocation, he says. If you serve as a pastor or church staff member, there's rarely a boring moment. A few years ago, I began polling pastors and church staff and collecting some really weird things church members said to them. I'm confident none of us actually said or did any of these things. This is about other people who attend the church. We would never say or do anything like the things that we're about to uh, review here that were collected by Pastor Tom Rayner. And by the way, he is a pastor himself. Uh, So this is about other people in the church who say and do things that are absurd. Number one, will you bless me divorcing my husband so I can marry a convicted murderer? God told me to do it. Actual statement made to a pastor. And then he, uh, Tom Rayner, who's himself a pastor, uh, sometimes uh, follows up with a comment of his own. Yes, I'm sure that's exactly what God said, tongue in cheek. Number two, said to a pastor in his ordination council. So this is at the point at which he's about to become a, um, uh, the, the ordination is about to take place. What is your view on Christian missions in space? Actual question. Space, the final frontier, to boldly go where no man has gone before. It was apparently a serious question. Number three, after the church member had surgery, Pastor, will you pray for me to pass gas? (laughs) 
Maybe there was a spontaneous answer to that prayer, Pastor Rayner suggests. Number four, I want you to come see my display of nude art spoken Hmm. by a parishioner to a pastor. I'm still trying to find out what the pastor decided, uh, according to Mr. Rayner, who listed this uh, particular question. This was during the offering. Pastor, do you have change for a 20? (laughs) Come prepared and don't ask the pastor to change a 20. Yeah. Number six, to a worship pastor after the service. Here's the bulletin. I graded each song based on how worshipful it was. Oh, <laughs> Now that nice. I can see happening. People say very peculiar things to worship leaders and worship musicians. But Pastor Rayner in his editorial comment says, thank you. We will be sending you your grades on how much the church staff likes you. <laughs> Probably shouldn't happen. Number seven, can you put the children's moment back in the bulletin? I know we don't have any children, but the old folks like it. <laughs> yes, we will uh, alternate uh, uh, every week with a senior moment. So they'll do one after the other. Number eight, I used to be a warlock. Was that before or after you became a deacon? Pastor, uh, the pastor writes. Uh, here's another one. Number uh, nine. Just before the service began, pastor, there's no toilet paper in the women's restroom. (laughs) So the pastor is preparing to address the congregation, to um, talk about uh, God's Prepare your hearts and minds and, (laughs) oh, there's no toilet paper. (laughs) And you tell that to the pastor, not the usher, not the... mm. Uh, Let's see, number 10. Thank you for shaving your facial hair because the Bible forbids it. What? Hmm. Hezekiah 3.16. Number 11, my husband's ashes are in two different places. Will Jesus be able to find him? Oh, well, let's hope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Number 12, pastor, help me cut this Coke can. I need an ashtray for the fellowship hall. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, things go better with Coke. That's the editorial comment from Pastor Rayner. Number 13, in the middle of the service, a woman asks, Pastor, aliens visited me. Is God okay with that? This is in the middle of the service. Oh, in the middle. <laughs> yeah, number 14. This is obscure. Well, what was the response? Is that okay? Would, is Jesus okay with that? What He doesn't uh, list the responses, oh. just the absurd questions. Well, I'd like to know the response to that one. I really would. Would you? Let's make something up, because <laughs> that, one's, that did, one's great. Did you have one? No. Okay. <clears throat> Moving on. Wow. Now, number 14 here is obscured, and I'm not sure I can read it, so I may have to come back to it. So this is number 15. Is it okay for me to lie if I ask for forgiveness in advance? Hmm. Number 16. Will you come to my house and help me get my husband off the toilet? (laughs) (laughs) Well, is he dead or (laughs) (laughs) that's the extent of the question number seven and again these are questions that were asked of pastors who have presumably trained whether or not in seminary they have trained uh to lead god's people (laughs) these are the questions that they that they get um number 17 church member pastor will you pray for my son uh he's wild and out of control pastor sure what's his name church member maverick (laughs) <laughs> you might have wanted to think that through ahead of time. Uh, Mr. Rayner says, I guess we should be thankful his name wasn't homicide. <laughs> uh, number 18, question asked a pastor. I have the spiritual gift of extortion. <laughs> it might have, they might have meant exhortation, but somehow they said, I have the gift, the spiritual gift of extortion, which we can hope was mis, uh, mispronounced. Number 19, uh, preacher, I have some moonshine for my for your cough. Feel free to stop by the house. 
Oh, that's one pastoral visit he made that week, says uh, Pastor Rayner. Number 20, will you play George Jones' song in the service today? <laughs> Which one? Yeah, just a George Jones oh. song. <clears throat> um, oh, songs, so oh. several of them. And the uh, Pastor Rayner suggests, I'm sorry, we're doing the Bee Gees. <laughs> <laughs> Number 21, the guitars sound like two cats mating. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor. <laughs> Uh, number 22, I want you to know if this church fails, it's not your fault. <laughs> Thank you for the kind encouragement. I'll be retiring soon. Um, uh, clearly, this gift does, uh, this church member doesn't have the gift of extortion, but perhaps the gift of encouragement. Number 23, to the pastor in the men's restroom. So, pastors have to go too, huh? These are things. There's that just a no talking rule actually, in the restroom. Well, don't there really don't, should be. Yeah, there really should. don't do it. I mean, it. if you're washing your hands at the sink, maybe, but beyond yeah. that. Uh, number twenty four, Pastor, I have some extra Vicodin. Would you like? To, would you like to have some? <laughs> Probably not. But thanks for thinking of me, <laughs> says Pastor Rainer. And finally, number twenty five, Pastor, pray for me. I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> wow. What will we be praying for exactly? Yeah, I, mm, I'm not entirely sure, but these are some of the. Things that people say to their pastors. Now, most of us will have an opportunity to interact with a pastor, at least be in their presence, and maybe we might want to think, I don't know, about something appropriate to say. That would be an encouragement, that would (laughs) would not be disruptive or distracting. I don't know. They're human, too, but don't be a doofus. Yeah, I mean, especially during the church time. Yeah, don't ask for toilet paper. (laughs) If you have a question... Wait till the middle of the week, maybe. I, I don't know. Well, here are a few things from the Babylon Bee that I, I thought were rather funny. Of course, they're a, sort of a tongue-in-cheek uh, website. that uh, they, They're like the onion for churches. Yeah, yeah, they post all kinds of things that are really quite funny and help us poke fun at ourselves. This headline, Church Forced to Open Orphanage Due to Nursery Check-In Mishap. If you've ever worked in the nursery, <laughs> you, you get this. Um, uh, add orphanage to the list of ministries provided by the Motivation Church in Fort Wayne as the church began providing food and shelter to 11 toddlers who were unable to be released to their parents following service on Sunday. We had recently changed the check-in procedure for our Bundles of Blessing Nursery and Awesome Ark 2 by 2 programs, said Dorcas Smith, director of the Children's Ministries at Motivation. The state rules and liability requirements leave us no room for error. Sources say that a volunteer put a sign-out sheet um, with the previous week's date on the clipboard. By the time the mishap was discovered, all the parents had already signed their children in. So it was too late. I know this is difficult for people who are claiming to be the parents of these kids. But in fact, the fact is, if we're audited and the wrong dates are on there, uh, we would have to shut the nursery program down and run the risk of losing all our young families, said Pastor Zachary Thomas. In the meantime, we've got goldfish to spare uh, and we're making sure the kids uh, know that Jesus loves them, even if their parents don't care enough to check their paperwork. (laughs) I thought that was funny. Uh, and then there's this one, local man immediately promoted to worship leader upon learning G chord. Now, if you are a worship musician, you will appreciate this. And uh, perhaps, sadly, you'll appreciate this. Immediately upon learning a G major chord Wednesday afternoon, local man Paul Ellis 
received a call from the head pastor at his church inviting him to fill the role of worship leader, sources confirmed. The impressive feat reportedly brings his total chord repertoire to four, and that's all you need these days to lead worship in most contemporary worship churches. I almost discovered the chord by accident, Ellis told reporters. I was sitting in my bedroom trying to learn the insanely difficult picking part at the beginning of Nothing Else Matters when I stumbled upon the G major fingering pattern. Since I've already got the E minor, the C, and the D down, I figured the church knew I was ready for prime time once I added the G to my formidable quiver. The new worship leader also claimed he can play the four chords of several different configurations, including power chord variations. In addition to four entire chords, Ellis stated he knows how to play a few bars from Sweet Home Alabama, Beat It, and Sweet Child of Mine, but was (laughs) unsure whether or not his extensive catalog of covers was instrumental in the church's decision. Hilarious. Hilarious. And finally, there's this. Nashville, Tennessee, Cornerstone Church worship leader Matt Kasky reportedly went into the church's men's room after morning service on Sunday only to discover to his horror that he was stuck in his skinny jeans and could not get out, sources reported on Tuesday. An embarrassed Kasky uh, called a friend for help who eventually gathered several more men who used a variety of uh, methods and objects to try to free him from the, the airtight jeans, which had adhered to his legs, uh, all with no luck. When the groundskeeper deemed the situation hopeless, Kasky was forced to call the Nashville Fire Department. After exhausting a plethora of sharp tools and devices, firefighters were able to successfully free Kasky from his disturbingly tight vacuum-sealed trousers using the jaws of life, a hydraulic apparatus normally used to pry apart the wreckage of crashed vehicles in order to free people trapped inside. Nashville firefighter Jared Willis, who is credited with liberating the worship leader from his pants, called uh, called it a scary situation. Whenever the jaws are brought out, you know it's bad. I've only had to use them a few times in my career, and every experience is one I'd rather forget. This one, though, this one will haunt me the rest of my days. The man's pants were so unbelievably tight, they had no business being on his legs. They wouldn't have fit my three-year-old niece. It was simply a terrifying situation. I mean, they were just painted on, he said. Jaws of life needed to remove worship leaders' skinny jeans. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Just some funny things from the Babylon Bee. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in just a few moments to, you know, wrap things up. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back for the final segment of the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show on what has been, for the most part, a pretty lovely day. More on that in a few moments. I do want to remind those of you who uh, plan on traveling I-5 that southbound Interstate 5 closes for four nights beginning on Monday, May the 1st. Uh, they're repairing the uh, an elevated portion of the freeway near the Moda Center. So that's kind of the section. Uh, the work is a part of a weekend-long uh, uh, construction project that's going to close the freeway northbound May the 5th through the 8th. Uh, instead, its work is being done on an unmarked elevated portion that's part of the I-5 uh, main line called Elliott Street Bridge. I have no idea where that is, except that it's near the Moda Center. Uh, that's going to cause some real problems if there are events there during that time. It's already pretty uh, pretty blocked up. But nonetheless, that's where uh, the work is being done. Interstate 84 travelers will need to use I-405 south to the I-5 north uh, uh, to access that freeway. So that's where you need to go. The North Greeley on-ramp on uh, southbound I-5 will also be closed those hours and days. That's 
uh, May the 1st through um, 5 a.m. Friday, May the 5th from Interstate 405 to the northeast Wheeler Street on-ramp. Southbound traffic will be diverted to I-405. The work is expected to wrap up by 5 a.m. on Friday, May the 5th, uh, just in time for the weekend-long closure of I-5 northbound under the Burnside Bridge between the Markham Bridge and North Broadway. So I-5 is probably an area you want to avoid over the weekend because of the work that's uh, that's being done. Again, the closure will be 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. nightly, uh, Monday, May the 1st, uh, through 5 a.m. Friday, May the 5th, from Interstate 405 to the Northeast Wheeler Street on-ramp. Southbound traffic will be diverted to I-405 southbound. Can access I-5 at the south end of downtown Portland, Interstate 84. Eastbound travelers, they'll need to use I-405 south to I-5 north to access that freeway. So that's all week long. And then, uh, again, the uh, southbound work will begin 5 a.m. Friday, May the 5th, just in time uh, for that work to begin. Also, a high-pressure system is moving in, uh, and it brought some pretty clear skies today after morning clouds burnt away uh, and slightly warmer temperatures. Early today, this morning, I should say, um, offered some light showers, but uh, and that was especially in the coast range, but clear skies and sun Warmed the metro area all the way to 60 degrees or above. Saturday starts out dry as well, which is just music to my ears. Um, It's going to be higher than uh, or right around 64. The cold front heads to the coast by Saturday afternoon, pushes more clouds and rain showers into the valleys by Saturday night. So expect rain for Saturday evening and into Sunday morning. Sunday is going to start out wet with showers tapering off at about 11 a.m., So uh, the end of your weekend rounds out mostly cloudy with highs sliding back down to 60. Forecasters from the National Weather Service, they predict high pressure is going to increase slowly beginning next week with temperatures warming into the 70s by Wednesday. I can hardly wait. Uh, At this point, both Monday and Tuesday look cloudy, uh, but dry with only a slight chance of showers. That's a bit of a downgrade from what we had earlier. Wednesday will be straight up sunny, so we can always uh, look forward to and hope for that. It's coming. Well, on um, Monday, we're going to talk with Daniel Ryan Day. He's the author of Intentional Christian, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do, which is a good thing to know to do what to do when you don't know what to do. He'll be joining us on Monday. On Tuesday, we'll talk with David Limbaugh, our much-anticipated conversation that's been rescheduled. This will be the third, uh, third time. The True Jesus, Uncovering the Divinity of Christ in the Gospels. Looking forward to that conversation. He, of course, is related to that other Limbaugh. Uh, David Limbaugh is a sold-out believer, and much of his writing in the last several years has been uh, centered around his faith. On Wednesday, Pat Williams will be my guest, the author of The Success Intersection, What Happens When Your Talent Meets Your Passion. Sometimes that uh, that happens. On Thursday, Robert O'Neill, the, oper- the author rather of The Operator, Firing the Shots That Killed Bin Laden, and My Years as a SEAL Team Warrior. Yeah, that's the guy who is responsible for taking out, literally responsible for taking out Osama bin Laden. He was uh, one of the SEAL team warriors uh, on that mission. He was the one that apparently pulled the trigger. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well as his years as a a SEAL team warrior. Thursday is also the National Day of Prayer. So much of our uh, thinking and conversation will center on that in the second hour. And then on Friday, we plan to lighten up and have a uh, a bit of fun. We learned late this afternoon that North Korea launched a ballistic missile into the Sea of Japan. Uh, The missile broke up uh, in flight after about 15 minutes. It was deemed a failure, according to two U.S. officials. This is the second failure in uh, about uh, a week or so. The missile has been assessed 
um, as a former Scud missile that officials believe is being tested to one day target ships in the area. The missile flew roughly 25 miles, was in the air for 15 minutes, according to officials, uh, was launched from a, a base uh, not far away. It is immediately clear, uh, it's not rather immediately clear if this missile launch was successful. The U.S. Pacific Command and U.S. Strategic Command is still assessing, although officials uh, with the U.S. government said it was a failure. The only way a SCUD gets a new designation if it is uh, substantially different, a scholar at the uh, Middlebury Institute for International uh, Studies at Monterey says of this particular um, missile, the KN-17. It's a single-stage liquid-fueled missile, not the three-stage solid-fuel missile that North Korea successfully tested back in February, which caused more concern about among uh, Pentagon officials. But nonetheless, it is a bit of saber-rattling, if I can borrow the term that's oft overused, that um, certainly has the potential to escalate the tension between uh, North Korea and the United States, and certainly um, has to have frustrated, if not angered, China, uh, who is sort of the middleman in this situation, not uh, only as it relates to the United States and our concerns, but others across the globe as well. Uh, that was reported just a few minutes before the program began today. So it certainly is a sobering thing to consider. And as we anticipate coming together as uh, believers and fellowship uh, around God's word, it's a great opportunity for us to remember that we need to be men and women of prayer. There needs to be a certain level of sobriety about us. And uh, this is another example of why that is uh, certainly is the case. Once again, on uh, Monday, we'll talk with Daniel Ryan Day. His uh, book is Intentional Christian, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. We'll also uh, very likely talk a bit about uh, events that, that took place today that we will not spend much time uh, on uh, either, but hope to do so at uh, uh, at some future point. Also, if you didn't catch it, Congress has apparently saved itself from itself to kick the can as uh, predicted down the road another week with regard to the U.S. budget. So we'll cover that next week as well. I want to thank Clark Hilton for engineering today's program, James Blend for producing and engineering a segment of today's program. And thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.